Welcome to The Chris Rawl Show. You can find all of my work at www.chrisrawl.com, every episode of this podcast and my writing as well. You can also find me on social media at Twitter and at Facebook at Chris Rawl. If you want to contact me for any reason, please email me at chris at ceo.com. Now on to today's episode, where I discuss the prevalence of going all in, win a championship in present day. Aaron Rodgers has dominated the offseason so far because he is the first domino that must fall before all other dominoes will fall. This has led to a lot of uh, discussion, coverage, all that kind of stuff. And throughout these last what week and a half now, since the Super Bowl was played, been a lot of stuff going across the bottom line as I watch sports. And one of the things that caught my eye was just a simple statement that ESPN kept popping up as media members were talking to Russ Ball and Brian Gutekunst with the Packers. And they're saying, yeah, we are ready and willing to go all in around Aaron Rodgers. They're saying that. They're restructuring some contracts. Kenny Clark comes to mind as they restructure his contract to save $11 million against the cap for this next season. Seems like they're ready to indeed go all in around Aaron Rodgers if he wants to come back and play with the Packers. Now, this is exciting for me for obvious reasons because I want Aaron Rodgers playing football and I want him playing on my favorite team because it's a union of my favorite player and my favorite team. And that's a good thing for a fan like me. But it also represents a mindset that is very different from the past within this franchise and one of the causes of consternation for me as a really big Aaron Rodgers supporter, especially as we got into the mid-2010s and Green Bay was really, really unwilling to go all in in any season around Rodgers. I don't know if they were paralyzed by fear or what, but they weren't willing to move their chips to the center of the table and say, we have an MVP caliber quarterback in his prime. Let's wheel and deal and make some moves and try to win this right now. And if we got to pay for it down the road, then so be it. But we're not going to sit on our hands and just watch this championship window dissolve. Now, that's kind of what happened. Uh, and they had a resurgence within the last couple of years because they fired McCarthy, hired Matt LaFleur, all that kind of stuff. But this has got me thinking about just this idea of going all in to win a championship. Seems easy. Everybody wants it. It's not always executed well. There are plenty of cautionary tales as to why patience is maybe a better virtue than urgency. Saying, oh, we're, we're good right now. Let's cash out all of our assets in. Let's go for it right now. And then you don't win the title. And you're sitting there two years later saying, oh, we could have had maybe a lot longer runway and a lot longer championship window if we just had been a little bit more patient. There's always an opposite side to all of this kind of stuff. So along these same lines, I'm listening to a podcast a couple of days ago, The Athletic Football Show. And there's a line they say in it, they're saying, you know, you can't win unless you're trying to win, which also piqued my interest because that sounds dumb and easy and stupid, but it is true 100%. And I think more teams across the sporting spectrum are kind of leaning into that and saying, ooh, patience, not as cool. We don't like it as much. Uh, sense of urgency, yeah, we're more into that. We have a championship window that is opened or opening. Let's cash in. Let's go for it. You can't win unless you're trying to win. 
everybody we know is willing to make moves on the fringes. That's how running a franchise works. But how many teams are willing to move all of their chips into the center of the table? That's kind of the predominant question of a championship window. And as the last few years have shown us and what I'm going to talk more about, I think more teams are willing to engage with, let's cash in. Let's move everything to the center of the table and try and win. And we got a bunch of teams that we can point at within the recent past showing, ah, yeah, if you execute this correctly, you can win a championship. We have other teams that if you don't, then you're going to be sitting there with that consternation and regret in your heart. So after I uh, listen to this podcast, I'm reading an article on The Ringer from Ben Solak, which was very interesting and got the gears turning even more in my brain about what I wanted to talk about on today's show. Because he wrote a big article that's about a specific aspect of team building within the NFL. It's the most important position quarterback and kind of how teams are trying to build up that position. Uh, And it, it essentially revolves around the rookie quarterback contract versus what's happened the last two years which is signing the proven vet at the position, putting him into a ready-made situation. So to start the discussion today, I want to read two different paragraphs from that article from Ben Solak. Here's the first one. It's a quarterback league. It's a quarterback league because it is a passing league, and it has been for a while. In the 2000s and into the early 2010s, changes in penalty rules and enforcements protected receivers and quarterbacks alike. With the 2011 collective bargaining agreement, the rookie wage scale was introduced which predetermined a rookie's contract size by the draft pick used to select them. That rookie wage scale was most impactful for quarterbacks. In 2010, before the change, first pick Sam Bradford signed a six-year, $78 million deal to become the quarterback of the St. Louis Rams. One year later, first pick Cam Newton signed a four-year, $22 million contract to become the quarterback of the Carolina Panthers. And here's the second paragraph. Super Bowl wins will always take everything falling right. A good quarterback, good free agent signings, good draft picks, and a whole lot of luck. But the late addition of the mercenary quarterback flips the team building order on its head. Instead of being bad enough to get a rookie quarterback, building the whole team for him, and trying to win in his rookie window, teams instead can draft a rookie quarterback, build a really good team around him with the extra money he affords them, and then plug a different quarterback into that environment if the rookie seems insufficient, end quote. So those are two really interesting paragraphs that merit further discussion and examination. You think about it, the rookie quarterback, putting him in, understanding that because of the change in the collective bargaining agreement, now they count for significantly less against the cap than they used to, as evidenced by that Sam Bradford, Cam Newton example. And that gets even more drastic if you hit on a quarterback later in the first round or into the second round or third round or stuff like that. And so when you are afforded a lot of money being saved at a position normally you're paying the premium for, it makes sense that you can soup up the rest of that roster with all of these, all of this extra cap money that is not being spent at the quarterback position. That's the rookie quarterback. That's the Russell Wilson model, if you will. It's how the Seahawks built up an incredibly competitive Super Bowl winning team over a five-ish year window because they had a good team, reasonable team, and they drafted Russell Wilson. They didn't expect him to be good or start. They actually had signed Matt Flynn that offseason to be their starter. 
former Green Bay Packers backup. Wilson impresses in practice. Hey, let's throw him into the fire. Next thing you know, they're going, this guy's pretty good. Uh, Let's just make him our full-time starter. And then our defense is already really good. Let's put some more money into that and see what happens. And the next thing you know, you have that Legion of Boom defense that was just as good of a defense as I've seen, period. And led them to one Super Bowl victory, another Super Bowl appearance, and a lot of really competitive years within that rookie contract time frame. And for that spell, they were the envy of every NFL team because previous knowledge kind of said, uh, you always got to spend for the best quarterbacks. And you, in order to win, you have to have the best quarterbacks. And what if you have one of the better quarterbacks, but you don't have to spend? Everybody's mind blows, you know, Pow! So now everybody's going after rookie quarterback, rookie quarterback. Let's try and draft this and trying to replicate the Russell Wilson model. Now, it's interesting to note that even during this time frame, we see the other side of trying to build out a championship team and two different ways of kind of arriving at the same endpoint of going all in to try and win a championship. That first, the rookie model, it's, You draft the rookie quarterback, you got to get them, make sure they're good. That's already a huge leap. But once you have that in place, then you got to spend elsewhere. You got to be willing to go all in on other positions that aren't quarterback. The second, which we saw around that same time frame, and which we've seen in the last two years, is the ready-made situation. And if you pluck a quarterback that is good and pay him some money, and you're probably going to have to pay top dollar, but that's fine if you have a ready-made situation. And you put him in and you say, all right, our championship window is right now. And we saw that with the Denver Broncos around that same time. They had a good roster, good team. They'd made the playoffs with him freaking Tebow. I mean, think about that. And then because of a random series of events, the Colts draft Andrew Luck at number one because Peyton Manning was injured. Now they have two quarterbacks and they say, we're going to trade you Peyton. And then they put him to Denver. We have another team with a very small championship window that ends up playing in one Super Bowl, losing to those Seahawks, and then playing in another Super Bowl and beating Cam Newton and those Carolina Panthers. So we see two different ways. And we see that now in present day. As more teams are willing to go all in, and it's this arms race, albeit done in different ways. The rookie quarterback versus the veteran getting signed, plugging him in. Now, there's one team as I was reading this Ben Solak article that I kept coming back to in my mind as I thought of ready-made situations and who I would love to see just pluck the quarterback out and put in a, at the very least, a good veteran, but put in a really good quarterback and wow, think about this. And I think about the Cleveland Browns who tried to replicate the Seahawks style stuff with Baker as the rookie quarterback and He's not fulfilled the promise that you would expect from somebody drafted number one overall. The rest of their roster is awesome. And they're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place because they've been trying to go all in to build a competitive team, make the playoffs, try and win a Super Bowl. And Baker is the quarterback is kind of hamstringing them. I keep thinking of a team like that and go, "Ooh, you could somehow finagle swapping him out for a better quarterback. Well, this team becomes very, very intriguing. That's one of the stories of this offseason as Baker goes into the last season of his rookie contract and the Browns have to make a choice. Do we want to commit money to this guy that, I don't know, is, is he better than Jimmy Garoppolo? Is he in that same category? 
Or can we swing something and get one of these quarterbacks that's on the market and put him in and go rock and roll for the next couple of years? There's a bunch of teams like that that are sitting there. You know, you could look at the Broncos. They're the ones most commonly linked to Aaron Rodgers. You got other teams, though, the Eagles, the Dolphins, the Panthers. I think all of those situations mimic Cleveland. A roster that has a lot of talent, a lot of intriguing pieces, but is kind of hamstrung at the most important position on the field. So you look at those and you say, what about Aaron Rodgers shifting to one of them? Or Russell Wilson, who now is dissatisfied with Seattle and wants to be traded. Or even Kyler Murray, who's expressed some dissent and consternation with the Cardinals franchise. There's all sorts of opportunities as we mix and match in the offseason where suddenly overnight a contender is born. Now again, Peyton Manning is the example that I was using from 10 years ago as he came into that ready-made Broncos team and showed that a jump from Tim Tebow to Peyton Manning, it's worth multiple Super Bowl appearances. Um, And we've seen that within the last two years in the NFL, which I think is causing maybe a, a, a larger portion of teams than normal to engage with this all-in mentality. Because to me, it seems like across the sporting spectrum period, all-in is becoming more commonplace than the patient approach. And, and I'm not saying that either is right or wrong. I think it's very dependent upon situation and execution. And I could build out a case for either one of those things for pretty much every team in every season for all of time. But I think it's interesting to note the shift. It's notable. Uh, The last two years, the Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win Super Bowl titles. Utilizing the all-in approach period and building out a roster, kind of doing that reverse engineering that Solak referenced. Rather than getting the quarterback and building around them, let's just get everything in place. And what happens when Jared Goff is swapped out for Matt Stafford? And what happens when Jameis Winston is swapped out for Tom Brady? And immediately we understand, ooh, these rosters are awesome now that a good quarterback is in charge. The Rams, the all-in, I've spoken a lot about that within the last few weeks because obviously this team won the Super Bowl. And whenever a team wins a Super Bowl, I think everyone else around the league and even in other sports takes note and says, hmm, is that what we should be trying to mimic. Trade for Stafford, it's obviously the key piece because Matt Stafford is not Jared Goff. And the boost from Stafford to Goff, it's, it took him from being a playoff team to being Super Bowl champion. But there's the Von Miller trade, the Jalen Ramsey trade, the signing of Odell. Just all of these, all of these moves are the chips being pushed to the center of the table. And everybody sees that especially when they're celebrating with the Super Bowl trophy, throwing it around town. Same thing the year prior. Uh, Brady is the obvious one, much like Stafford, who unlocks their championship aspirations uh, in, in a way because he's not Jameis Winston. He's not throwing 30 interceptions like Jameis did the season prior. But what I think is really notable to look at alongside the Brady maneuver was a complete rebuilding of the lines by Tampa Bay that offseason. As they said, ooh, if we're getting Brady, our championship window is now, so we can't afford to sit on our hands. So this offensive line, the number one thing we know that Brady needs is a solid offensive line. That's what all quarterbacks need. So they go out and they sign Donovan Smith and they sign Ryan Jensen and they build out 
an incredible offensive line. They draft Trifton Morphs that offseason, who ends up being an all-pro tackle. And suddenly, they have one of the best offensive lines in football. And they go on the defensive side, and they say, our defense is already good, but let's go and get Indomitian Sue, and let's go and get Jason Pierre-Paul, and let's go and get Shaq Barrett. All three people acquired that offseason. All three people, huge contributors to that defensive line that just overwhelmed everybody, especially Kansas City in the Super Bowl. So the last two Super Bowl champions, all in, veteran quarterback. Just grab him, put him into the situation. I think we're going to see that this offseason. Whether it's those three people I mentioned earlier, Wilson, Rogers, or Murray. Murray, not as much of a veteran, but you get the point. Deshaun Watson, who's still going through that strange trial that nobody knows what's happening with. But once he comes back into the fray, that's a huge piece. That if you put him into a team that's ready-made, that elevates their ceiling to Super Bowl contention right now. Now, it's interesting to note the team that lost in the Super Bowl, who I believe was also last offseason, really engaging with the idea of let's go all in right now for different reasons than the Rams or the Bucks. They have that Russell Wilson model in place right now because they drafted Joe Burrow. And even though they were atrocious the last two years, Cincinnati said, we got to show some urgency because our duty to a rookie quarterback that we know is good is to maximize the window when they're on the rookie contract. So last offseason, the Bengals do stuff that at the time, people, including myself, if I'm being honest, kind of pointed out and laughed and made fun of them. Say, you got to be a little bit more patient. You're not close. Like in 2019, the Bengals were two and 14. That's how they got Joe Burrow. In 2020, they were four, 11 and one. That's how they got Jamar Chase. Last offseason, I'm sitting there going, you guys just need to go about this the right way. You need to show patience. Don't do anything stupid. Don't type your cap. Don't get Joe Burrow killed. Build up your offensive line and just take this slowly. And instead, the Bengals identified something and said, no, we're going to do the opposite. On the offensive side, we know what's going on there. We have Joe Burrow. He's great. We got weapons in place. Jamar Chase explodes onto the scene. But part of helping ease that transition, it's as simple stuff like implementing a bunch of LSU's playbook from when Joe Burrow played quarterback there to ease that transition, to maximize the rookie quarterback window. Just say, hey, we know that you had one of the most lethal offenses in the history of college football running that Joe Brady offense at LSU. Let's just transplant a bunch of that playbook and we can do that here. More importantly, as far as the all-in component of things. They go out on defense, a defense that was not good by any means, and they completely rebuilt it on free agent signings, that urgency component. They signed Trey Hendrickson. They signed Chidobe Awuze. They signed Mike Hilton, maybe the best slot corner in the league. They signed Larry Ogunjobi, Eli Apple, a lot of really key pieces that we saw during the Bengals' Super Bowl run make plays over and over. And I'm watching it going, huh, Good for them. I was definitely wrong. I didn't see this team being able to turn around this quickly. But credit to the Bengals and their vision and credit especially to their willingness to show urgency, to go all in in a season that nobody thought they should. I just think it speaks to how many more teams are willing to engage with that mindset. I'll make one more note of an NFL team before I kind of expand this out. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs are interesting to note in this vein because credit to them and 
I, I say this with envy, they're taking the opposite approach of what Green Bay did with Rodgers in his early days. So far with Mahomes, it's been all in every year because I think they've identified the window is never as large as you think it is. It just isn't. We have so many examples of that throughout sports history. So every year they say, we got Mahomes and Hill and Kelsey and all of them are in their primes. We got Andy Reid. That's an incredible core that immediately guarantees us Super Bowl aspirations right now in this season. So let's, let's take that to the table and build outwards every single season. So last offseason, they didn't sit around and just say, this core is good enough to win a Super Bowl even without moves, which is true. They said, we got to maximize the window. You never know how long it is open. So rather than praying that their offensive line would get better after the disastrous Super Bowl, they went out. They made moves. They said, no, we're going to sign Joe Tooney. We're going to draft Reed Humphrey. We're going to revamp this stuff. And they put together one of the best offensive lines in football this past season. They go on the other side of the ball, and they're still looking continually, always, to improve to the point where they take on Melvin Ingram in the middle of the season last year. And he became a really key contributor for that team. I think Kansas City is right at the top of the Super Bowl charts for a reason. A, they have incredible talent in place. Again, think of the three people I just said, Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey. They have a great coach, Andy Reid, but they also have an organization that understands the time to win is now. Let us not kick the can down the road. Now, even with this approach, the Chiefs still only, I'll say that with air quotes around it, they only have one Super Bowl to show for their last four years of effort because this stuff's hard, man. And there's no right way of going about it. And even if you go about it the right way, you know that so much of this just comes down to the margins. So much of this just comes down to random chance and luck. Now, as we move out to other sports, I think you're seeing just, again, more teams understand and identify, for whatever reason, the time for us is now. The Bucks they win the title last year. I've spoken a lot about their particular mindset and how I was wrong about that because I thought they needed to be more patient because Giannis is still at the start of his championship window as a player and they go out and they make the big Drew Holiday trade and I'm saying, that's not, is that really that much of an upgrade to go from Eric Bledsoe to Drew Holiday? And you really want to be cashing in your chips at this point in time when I don't really think you're as good as these other teams, whether it's the Lakers or the Nets, and I was wrong. And the margins and luck went their way and in a weird COVID year, they were the best team and they won the championship. And now they look like they're primed to be a championship contender for the foreseeable future. The NBA trade deadline passes not too long ago. And I think we see this mindset echoed in the big Harden Ben Simmons swap, which I spoke to a week ago for different reasons. But for today's show, it's just the mindset for both teams. Our title window is right now. Sixers, we got Joel Embiid, and he's one of the best players in the league. He's currently the betting favorite to win the MVP in basketball. Are we really just going to punt on a prime year of this player who has been often injured? Or are we going to move this guy who doesn't want to play for us or another guy who doesn't want to play half the time and see if that helps us out in some way? That's the same thing. They're saying we don't have, there's no future with this team. We have to be all in right now. We've already seen this, what we thought was a three-headed monster that would dominate the NBA. It's already disintegrated with nothing to show for it. Harden, Kyrie, 
Durant. We've seen this season Durant miss a bunch of time with injury. Irving miss a bunch of time with non-vaccination status and injury. Harden miss a bunch of time with just general apathy. So what if we can swap one of those players out for a guy who hopefully will come and play for us and help us out because our title one is now? Let's do it. The other conference, you kind of have the cautionary tale. As I seek to reiterate, there's not always a correct answer in any way, shape, or form for how to build out a championship team. And as much as we love the all-in mentality, as much as I pine for it the majority of the time and then say, no, you shouldn't do it in these moments and then I'm proven wrong. The Lakers, they're a cautionary tale. And they're in a championship window. They have to go all in. But the execution of how to do that, that's up for great debate as they cash out all of their chips last offseason for Russell Westbrook, who's just been a complete train wreck and helped submarine the Lakers season in a way that a lot of people saw coming, (laughs) except for the Los Angeles Lakers. (laughs) But again, I don't think there's any doubt that if the Lakers do a a different trade last offseason, let's say they do that often rumored Buddy Hild swap and they retain some of their assets that they had, they could now have space to re-sign Alex Caruso and maybe they're keeping Kuzma or Caldwell Pope or whoever that doesn't go out in that trade. And they're playing a lot better basketball this season because they have a roster that makes sense. We're sitting here applauding them and saying, yeah, they, they understand, you know. Who knows how long they have with LeBron being this good. He's old as hell, but he's still awesome at basketball when he's playing. So they got to go all in every single year. You just see that a lot across the spectrum, football, basketball. You see it in hockey. I think historically more than any sport because hockey is as volatile as anything you will see. Just who wins and who loses and the margins within that sport. They're every bit and more so maddening, crazy, whatever word you want to call it, than football. Just puck luck is a hell of a thing. (laughs) But the NHL trade deadline, it's approaching. And, you know, the first big domino to fall within that world, it's Tyler Toffoli getting traded to Calgary, which I, I found to be fascinating because Calgary did not have a lot of championship aspirations coming to the season. They were great in 2019. They've kind of schlubbed around since then. And then suddenly they're playing awesome hockey. Jacob Markstrom's been great in goal. Their offense is playing well. They're second place in the Western Conference or third. I can't remember where they're at right now with Minnesota, but the main point is they're an awesome hockey team. And suddenly they find themselves in a sport that is volatile where puck luck is a huge thing. And they said, all right, we're outperforming expectations. Let's go all in right now. Let's trade for Tyler Foley. First round pick, some assets. Let's throw them out the door because our championship window even though we didn't maybe know it five months ago, it's now. Uh, In the same conference, my team, the Avalanche, they have been taking a less aggressive approach so far, right at the beginning of their cup window. Now, they've been rumored to be involved with Claude Giroux or some other players here at this deadline. We'll see what comes of that. But for the time being, over the last two years, the Avs have been very content to play the patient approach with the idea in mind that we got a young core and. We hope, we trust that our cup window is going to be open for a while because Kel McCarr and Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen and Gabe Landeskog, they're all under contract. They're all young. 
and we think that Haitian is going to be better. Which approach is right? Who, who knows? You know, only time really proves what was best. Um, but as we look and compare across all of these sports, we see evidence that, yeah, going all in works immensely. When executed correctly, it can bite you in the ass. When it doesn't, patience, it, it's a virtue in many instances. Sometimes it's not great. As we seek to make sense of all this and go, you know, which approach is better, I just kind of come back to what is pretty much the general sentiment of this show and the way that I watch sports. Just, it's hard to know. And it's really dependent upon the situation, as is the case with nearly everything in life. So with that in mind, I'm going to end with a quote from Shio Kapadia, who writes about the NFL for The Athletic. He wrote some stuff about just kind of team building stuff along these lines. And I want to share this in closing. It would be a mistake to suddenly think that the Rams way is the right way to build a contender. If a team is going to take a swing on a quarterback like Stafford, it better have the infrastructure in place, from coaching to offensive line to weapons, to help that quarterback succeed. It better hope for the same kind of injury luck that the Rams had. It better be willing to stockpile and hit on mid to late round picks to account for not having first rounders. There is no one right way to build a Super Bowl champion. Teams should take honest inventory of their strengths and weaknesses and avoid recency bias before chasing the Rams model. Thank you for listening to The Chris Rawl Show. This podcast is produced by Weston Tanner. Please remember to rate this show five stars and review it on the podcast platform of your choosing. It would help me immensely. Thank you and have a fantastic day. Thank you.